If all else fails, try something new. Welcome to Neo FM, bringing to you all the latest things you need to know about our country today. I'm Mikkel Lim. And I am Christine Soon. This is part two of our very first episode, Get Ready With Us, The Election. We have once again our guest, Mr. Ralph Gonzalez. So, sir, since you mentioned earlier that a voter should at least be 18 years of age, may I ask what can young people who do not meet the age limit do during the election? But I, I, try to, I want to repeat that, okay, just for, for those who are about to turn 18. Just just take note that if you're going to be 18 on the day of the election, or you are, as in, as in it's your birthday, election day is your birthday, or you're somehow by that time you're already 18, you can already register to vote. Okay, so don't don't be afraid uh, that you won't be able to vote because that's, that's what I did. Um, I was still 17. And then I was going to be 18 by by May 2013, uh, because um, oh no, I was already 18, pala. No, but the point is, um, if you're going to be 18 on the day of the election, doesn't matter if you're just now 17 years old, you can register already because you're going to be 18 on election day. But yeah, for those who who really can't, because you know age is is still uh, far they're far away from 18. I, I think that there's a lot of things that the youth can do. There's a lot of things that we can do if we can't vote. Uh, I just want to list uh, like four four things that I think are important. Um, first um, is to to read and familiarize yourself with the issues of the country, okay? And and read in depth and analyze critically. Be critical. Um, so you read up on history. You use credible sources. Uh, and you know, I would like I would like to say uh, that social media. Can actually be a credible source because even news sources can be incredible. Okay, vice versa. It's just some sources in social media are also very incredible and not worth reading, and that's why we have news. But it's it's not far off to say that news is also so incredible that sometimes social media is a little bit more uh, believable. Okay, so don't don't disabuse yourselves of the idea that. If it's in social media, it's less reliable than that of news agencies. Although they follow a very strict uh, um, journalism code, that's not mutually exclusive anymore. You can actually tell the truth of what's happening. And we see this in other countries, right? We see this with Black Lives Matter, that you can actually tell the truth more on social media where your reality is you're on the ground versus those that are, you know, I mean, Fox, for example, just Fox News is, is not... Is not a news agency. Who reads? Who reads that? And who thinks it's credible anyway? That's just an example. So, but read. That's my point. Read up on your history, because you know a lot of times you see young people fighting with older people online with all of their ideas, but they don't know the history. They don't know what really happened. They don't know the context. They haven't read up. You know, and that's okay. It's okay to engage, but without enough knowledge and without enough understanding, you you, you just you're not you're not that credible, okay? Uh, second, second of all, so that's it. Read, just please read, read up, and you know, read up is not just reading with text. It could be uh, maybe we could change the word to study. Um, go to YouTube. There's so much in YouTube as well. But as I said, be careful of your sources. But you can even go to YouTube and learn about the history of the country, the issues that we're going through now, 
you know, I don't know if people still watch TV, but the news is also on YouTube already. So you can just watch it on YouTube, Kepta. So just study, make a general study, make yourself more attuned with what's happening in society and what's happening with the world around you. That's, that's really important. And secondly, now that it, it, this is sort of a process, actually. So now that you've studied, now that you know, now that you've read, be critical. Okay? Don't just take what you've read and believe it right away. Whether that's a credible or incredible source, be critical. Whether you're for the government or against the government uh, or whoever is making that, those news or that information, um, you just you, you fact-check everything. Okay? You cross-reference everything. Because it can be that you, if you take everything without a grain of salt and you take everything as it is, you're also just going to get lost. There's a really nice, um, and I suggest this to everybody that's watching, there's a nice documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen this. It's called The Social Dilemma. And I suggest that you watch it because it tells you and shows you the, that if you're not critical, then social media and news, social media, so I tell you, social media and news can, um, without you knowing it, subliminally, okay, tell you what to do or tell you how to think. And you have to be careful. And that's why being critical is important. And study and critical, being critical is important. So that's the second thing. So that's the second way. And so now that you've studied, now that you're critical because you understand everything from a bigger perspective and you don't take everything with a grain of salt, you actively engage. You know, healthy discussion with your friends. It's, it's, not, it's very sad how people who talk about politics or people who talk about issues are branded as annoying. In our culture, that's kind of a bad thing in our culture, right? It's like, ay, ano man siya, or something like, sabot mo na, that's not true. If if you engage and you and you have a healthy discussion with the purpose of wanting to know more, there's also a difference. Because there's there's a lot of people who talk about these things just to you know make themselves sound cool and sound smart and good. But if you're discussing these things because you you realize that if I discuss this with other people who have other things to say, then I have things to learn from them then that's, that's healthy. That's good, right? We're actively discussing issues for our own learning because we believe that if we discuss with other people, other ideas, then we can come up with a better idea that's good for everyone, right? So actively engage. You know, actively engage in social media. And when it's allowed to see your friends again, actively engage in person with your friends over drinks, over coffee or whatever. You know, just talk about it because it's actually fun. You're not snooty. You're just, you're, 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 you you want to learn, okay? And then the fourth, and this one, you be careful about this one, is that you join groups that align with your political leanings. You don't have to be able to vote or be a qualified registered voter to join a group. If you, if you believe in a certain political ideology, then you can join them, okay? And this, this will happen a lot, I tell you. <clears throat> I think you guys can vote already by next year. You will be invited to many GCs or groups on Facebook or Viber or Messenger of different political candidates or of different political parties. So you can join them and you can read and learn from them. But my, my, mm, my advice, though, is be careful of the political ideology that you're leaning towards 
or be careful of the politicians' parties that you're leaning toward. Because there's an ideology and there's a distortion of an ideology. Okay? So if you join parties, political parties, or you join their groups, be sure that who you're joining or what you're joining is the purest form of the ideology, but not a distortion of that ideology. Because then that would just be extremism. And then that would just be dangerous. Do you understand? So, and and I tell you, you will also know that you're straying from the path um, because things just feel extreme and things just feel wrong. Now, if you did steps one, two, and three well, meaning you read and you studied and you're critical and you engage in discussion, then you will not join the distortion of those ideologies, those groups that distort ideology. You'll join those groups that try to bring forward that political ideology, whether it's left-wing, whether it's right-wing, whether it's centrist, whether it's socialist, whether it's capitalist in nature, whether it's it's uh, those that propagate uh, forward a crime and against crime and punishment or whatever. Just be careful that you're not joining those ideologies that distort it and and make it extreme. You know those who really um, advocate for something, advocate for the good of society. So that's that's just my tips. Four tips that you can do even if you're not a voter. And I tell you, um, if you do these things now, then we're looking for a very bright Philippines. Because diba, as we always say, the youth are the next generation. And if our youth are not studying, if our youth are not critical, if they believe in everything that they read on social media or on news, if they don't engage one another, or if they do engage, but it's always just, you know, expletives screw you, expletives screw you, that's not going to create a healthy country, right? But if we're just actively studying and discussing and being critical and joining groups, then yeah, we're looking for a pretty bright Philippines in the future. All right. Thank you for that uh, advice. I think I personally will really be keeping that in mind in the upcoming election. But can you guys vote, Naba? If I can ask. Uh, yeah, I think so. Or I'm have you registered? Planning to register? Oh yeah, I registered last 2019, sir. Oh, very I'll good. Registering soon. Good, very good. But, uh, so you'll vote next year. Uh, yes. Okay, good. With that in mind, uh, could you tell us what uh, the Filipino people should look for in the candidate? Uh, okay. Uh, you're you're talking about national candidates, right? Like maybe yes. in the next president. Okay. I think that um, the country needs decisive leadership first and foremost. Okay. The country needs decisive leadership. Um, the country also needs a visionary. Okay, so lead, decisive leadership and a visionary leadership, um, because the country has moved a lot in the time of Pinoy, for example, where he tried to, you know, uh, fix the corruption that happened in the country. That was, I think, that was the the good thing about the Pinoy presidency. Um, uh, he tried to uh, regain people's trust. In, in government. Um, the, the administration now, on the other hand, is really focusing on, on infrastructure, right? On build, build, build. And of course, you know, the, they say human rights violations and they say um, crime and punishment. Um, but really, there's a lot of build, build, build in this administration. You can see it everywhere. So there was, uh, in Pinoy's term, a, a return to trust in government. In this administration, it's really um, industrialization. And so I think that the next leaders 
that the next leader should be a visionary and a decisive leader. Because then with, with the trust that he's with the trust that has been returned to government, with the infrastructure that has been developed for the country, where is the country going next? And that takes vision. And I think that's the kind of leader we should have for 2022 to 2028. Someone who can take the trust that has been returned or reposed back. Because remember, we said government is agent of the state, right? So, um, and if, if they are, they, they serve the people. We said that in, in Philcon. And so the trust had been reposed back to government by the administration of President Aquino. And now we are industrializing heavily with the administration of President Duterte. And so we take those two great things and we need somebody who can now turn it, if you remember Orgman, right? We have input, process, output. So now we have a lot of input. We have a lot of materials. We have trust. We have political will. We have infrastructure. Then what are we going to do with it? And that for me is the next leader, a visionary and a decisive visionary leader who can bring in investors, who can start new industries, who can open up new businesses or new new industries for the country with the infrastructure that we have, with the political will that we have, with the trust that has been reposed again on government. Let's start moving to the next phase of the country, which is for me, um, and after industrialization, is really opening up our economy, bringing in new investors, starting new industries, revamping our current industries, getting into the digital industry, which is, but then of course, here's something that is important to consider also. That would have all been true had there not been a pandemic. Because I think that the administration who's coming in after 2020 or during 2022 is going to be a healing presidency also. Meaning, you know, it's going to be a lot of rebuilding. Because technically speaking, this is like a war, right? We're in a war right now. And so in as much as, yeah, sure, you want to have a visionary leader that's decisive, a lot of his time is going to be spent on rebuilding. And that's why I think decisiveness and visionary is important because that's an opportunity. You know, when you, when you rebuild, like in Japan, for example, after World War II, Japan was devastated, right? But because of decisive leadership, because of visionary leadership, they were able to rebuild and make Japan the Japan that we know now, right? And so it's clean slate. It's clean slate also in the same way that, yeah, it's going to be a healing administration. It's a clean slate. So you need a decisive visionary leader who can identify the things that were broken and no longer need to be fixed and the new opportunities that we can take post-pandemic that we can envision to become a better industry for the country or a better way for doing things in the country. Because a lot of things have changed. A lot of industries will close down, are closing down. A lot of businesses are down. And so we need that visionary decisive leadership to heal the country post-pandemic and to use that as an opportunity, opportunities and threats. So uh, to use that destruction in a sense, not in a negative way, but that destruction and turn it into something positive for the country. You know, the decisiveness to say, you know what, you died during the pandemic. Your business died or your industry died. You, you don't have a chance anymore to come back. Instead, why don't you pool your resources and try this new industry? Why don't we put all our money on this new industry? Let's no longer support that industry because we've also learned that that industry is not successful or it's no longer going to survive or it's, it's reached its peak. 
it died ultimately during the pandemic. So these are the hard choices, the decisiveness that, that has to be there um, for, for a leader post-pandemic. So decisiveness and visionary leadership. I think that uh, if people will say it's, you know, it's about being a heart for the poor, uh, it's about being um, human rights, and, and those are given. Those are given. A heart for the poor, human rights, those are given. It's not, that's, it's not, I'm not saying that that's not what we're looking for. That's not what we should look for. But that's given already. We will always respect human rights. We will always have a preferential option for the poor. But what we also need now is somebody who's also just not stuck in that. Okay, somebody who's willing to go beyond all of that and say, look, this is the vision I see for the country. These are the things I want to change. These are the things I want to develop. These are the industries I want to start. These are the partnerships I want to seal. These are the investors I want to come inside the Philippines. That takes decisiveness. That takes visionary leadership. So all of those human rights and, and, and protection of the poor and all of those things, that's given. While we, will, while we vision, visualize a new country and, and new investments and have decisive leadership, we will always take care of that. So that, for me, is the kind of leader that we should have. So, sir, with all those qualities in mind, if I may ask, as early as now, who do you think will be the next president of the Philippines? Um, well, we don't even know because we don't know who's running yet. All we have are like feelers. There seems to be a united opposition of some sort, united, I guess, um, which we call one Sambayan, right? Um, it's uh, it's chaired by uh, former former justice Carpio and a conglomeration of different people. Uh, and and they haven't even given us a candidate yet. Um, we don't know who the opposition standard bearer is supposed to be. They're saying it could be, you know, current Vice President Lenny Libredo or or Senator Grace Wall or Mayor Isco Moreno, etc. Um, and then on the one end, you have the administration's candidates, whom we also don't even know yet, um, because we have. Um, they're saying it could be the daughter of the president. Uh, they're saying it could be um, uh, Senator. I think they, they're saying it could be Senator Bongo. And so um, we don't really know um, who the candidate is, is going to be. So we don't actually know who the president is going to be. But suffice it to say that uh, we're going to know soon because it's already April. And then the filing of your certificate of candidacy is going to be, I think, I don't know, September or something like that. Um, and so we're gonna know soon who who's gonna be the the the, the candidates for for the next president. But what I can say for sure is, um, uh, there's there's going to be a lot of opposition. I think that I think that no matter how united they seem they are, I think there's gonna be a lot of opposition. And and even even I think okay, and I would say even inside the administration as well, the administration that. There's also going to be a lot of, of discord there somewhere, so um, it's going to be a very interesting 2022 um, because within the opposition themselves, once I'm buying, I'm pretty sure they haven't really understood who they want to field as a candidate. Whereas in the inside the administration, I feel like you know they have they're eyeing some people, but even themselves can't get uh, a grip on or agree on who they wanna who they wanna field. So it's going to be a really interesting. Um, it's going to be a really interesting election. So I, I, will, I, I can't say for sure who the next president is going to be. But what is interesting to note as well is, according to surveys, though, 
um, the performance of this administration. And this is really interesting, right? It makes you wonder about, makes you wonder why on, on, on social media and, and everywhere else, um, there's really this 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 disdain for the administration, which is quite interesting because when when the surveys come out, you you're looking at 89, 91% approval rating for the administration. So it just makes you wonder. So what I'm trying to say or what I'm trying to get at is statistically, statistically it would seem that um not naman whoever the administration feels, but that the the what 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 word would I use? Um not the desire, but more of the um the attraction, the attractiveness of this administration is still pretty high at five years. So that's an interesting thing we have to understand. So see um and that's another thing I wanna you know just tell people is again study, meaning Look at look at research. Look at the numbers. Don't just don't just read what you you can read on social media or the news. Look at look at studies. Look at research groups. Look at um, um, survey groups and see the trends that are happening. And if you look at the trends, it's really um, top of mind. People who are running for public office is there. You you find um, Vice President Lenny Robredo. Um, um, actually, Senator Bongo is actually on the list also. Um, Mayor Isco Moreno is also on the list. So these are the people that are on the top of people's mind for, for, for office. But what is what is sure, what, what is very sure since recent, is that the administration still has 89 or 91% approval rating. So the people on the ground, you know, the masa, the people on the ground still approve of the way the administration is going. So that's an interesting thing that one Sambayan has to look at. How are they going to shift the mindset of the 89% of the population of the country that still approves the administration. So so that's that's why I'm saying this this election is going to be very interesting because there's going to be a lot of potential candidates for the opposition. There's a lot of potential candidates for for um the administration. They haven't really agreed within themselves who they're going to field, so we're going to know soon. But yeah, just it's just the numbers that are quite interesting. That eighty-nine to ninety-one percent approval rating is very interesting. So that that could spell a lot for who might be the next president next year, or who might be the next administration next year. So yeah, <clears throat> that's that's just it. Okay, and uh, that's all the time we have for this episode. So again, sir, thank you so much for joining us on this episode and uh, educating both us and the listeners with what you've shared. Yeah, I'm very happy to just talk to you guys again. It's been a long time. Yes, it has. You guys take care. And 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 advance congratulations on your graduation. Oh, thank you, sir. So thank you, sir. It was nice hearing hearing from you again. And thank you all for tuning in. And we'll see you all on the next one.